see me up here. Pastor contacted me today. He wasn't feeling well. And, uh, you know, the old adage, be ready to preach, pray, or something. Uh, and I'm really happy to do this tonight and happy to see you. Um, some uh, folks were helping pass out outlines a little bit earlier, and uh, maybe some have come in late, later uh, than we started or is there anybody that needs outlines? Copies of the outlines. There's some right here. Brother Jim over there. Uh, always like to have those in your hand. Uh, and you could be turning to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Um, I know Pastor dealt with this psalm somewhere along the line in his psalm series. But uh, I just want to go back to this psalm and, and hit part of it there in verses 3. Well... 1 through 11, I think. 1 through 11. Uh, we'll read that much and then we'll pray and then we'll look at this text. Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can be here tonight and just spend some time in the word and in prayer. As we think of the early church, the first century church, that was their priority, the word of God and prayer. And that's our priority tonight. And bless us as we engage in studying the word and as we also engage in prayer. Lord, we need you. We love you and pray that you'd have your way in these moments. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Well, if you have the outline in front of you, our, our subject tonight is how to stay cool, calm, and collected. Now, maybe when I say that, you're thinking of yourself. Maybe you're that kind of a person that you just are pretty cool, calm, and collected no matter what happens. Or maybe you can think of somebody who seems to do a really good job of that. Um, I remember the old MacGyver show. Remember MacGyver? Uh, he, he was that kind of a guy. You know, whatever situation he was in, all he needed was a Swiss Army knife and maybe the gum he was chewing or something like that. And he could get in and out of any situation. Always pretty cool, calm, and collected. The first three words of this psalm is do not fret. And it's repeated several times in the first 11 verses. On the other hand, maybe you're the type of person 
that frets a lot, worries a lot, or you know somebody. You wouldn't be that way, but maybe you know somebody that way. When I think of something or someone that is just constantly fretting and nervous and worried, I think of uh, uh, our son's dog, you know, Lucy. She's just uh, a nervous wreck, it seems. And it doesn't take hardly anything if, if, uh, if Shelly puts something in the toaster. She's nervous because she knows it's going to pop up pretty soon and, and it just drives her nuts. And the vacuum cleaner uh, or the neighbors coming in and out of their yard or it's July 4th and fireworks are going off in the neighborhood or a thunderstorm is on the horizon. And she's just, I'm amazed that she has lived to the age that she has. I, I would have thought she would have had a heart attack long ago. Uh, but the Bible says, do not fret. Worrying, fretting, is not God's will for us. We're commanded not to do this. Philippians, of course, in the well-known New Testament passage, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, uh, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The peace of God then will you know, guard, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we're disobeying God when we are fretting and worrying. But human nature being what it is, we are prone to do that. And in this last year and a half with the quote-unquote, virus crisis going on, that just feeds into our human nature and our tendencies to fret and worry. And there are many that would take full advantage of that. But how do we not fret, worry, stew over all the possible things that could happen? Well, we're going to give you four things here in this text and uh, the first one, of course, is found in verse 3, where the Bible says, Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. So the first thing, if we're going to be someone that is not ruled by the emotion of worry, we must trust in the Lord. I, it sounds simple, sounds obvious. And it is obvious because that's what we're supposed to be about is men and women of faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith is trusting in the Lord. We could say trust means to fully rely on the Lord. I remember years ago uh, doing a, a VBS through RBP, I'm sure, at the time, and the theme of that VBS was frog, fully rely on God, okay? That is a cute way of, of, of remembering that. And there was frogs all over the place that year in the decorations and, and uh, so forth. Trust in the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that's all we do. We'll just trust in the Lord. Need a job? Yeah, I'm just going to trust the Lord. 
need groceries? Yeah, I'm just going to trust in the Lord. And, and God will bring that job in. God will bring those groceries in. God will, well, did you notice? It says trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. So while we're trusting, we keep on doing the right thing. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Uh, one of my preacher friends had had this short saying that I've never forgotten. It goes with me everywhere I go, and that is uh, keep doing the hard right thing. That's the walk of faith. That's trusting in the Lord and doing good. And keep on dwelling in the land. Bloom where you are planted is another statement that has been said over the years. And feed on his faithfulness. Focus on God and his faithfulness. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Isaiah 26, 3. Another acrostic of faith, F-A-I-T-H, is forsaking all, I trust him. That's a good way to remember what faith is. You are choosing to forsake other things that you might trust, and you are focusing on him. You are feeding on his faithfulness. You trust in the Lord. Now, the second thing that's important in being cool, calm, and collected is to delight in the Lord. Verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. To delight in the Lord. That means that you love him most of all, which is the first and greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and of course your neighbor as yourself, but first and foremost, the Lord. Love the Lord. Seek the Lord. Focus on the Lord. He's in first place. After Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples stumbled over those few days when Jesus was in the grave and he hadn't raised from the dead yet and they were doubting and all of that, Jesus appears to them, of course. They are, they're buoyed up, they're encouraged by that. And yet Peter says in the next chapter, John 21, I'm going fishing. I'm a fisherman. I failed at following the Lord. I denied him three times. I, I just, I'm going to go back to the one thing that I'm really good at, and that's fishing. So he goes out fishing. A few other guys go with him. And, of course, he fishes all night and doesn't catch anything. The Lord stands on the shore. Hey, kids, have you caught anything? No, we haven't. We fished all night and haven't caught anything. We'll cast your net on the other side. Okay, Lord, at your command, we'll do it. They do it. You know the story. They can't even bring the, the net in. It's, it's so full of 153 great fish. And somehow they get the net and the fish to the shore. 
Jesus is there. He's got a fire of coals and he is baking fish right then and there. Bible doesn't say where those came from. But Peter comes to shore and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter knows he doesn't love the Lord as much as he should. He knows he can't fool the Lord by now. And he says, Lord, you know I love you, but, I mean, you can kind of hear it in the voice and in the passage. Three times Jesus says, do you love me? One of those times Jesus said, do you love me more than these? And there's some debate about what these mean. Do you love me, Peter, more than these companions of yours? Do you love me more than this pile of 153 great fish here? What does it mean? Not sure, but we know what we're supposed to love and who we're supposed to love first and foremost. And Peter knew that too. And he knew that he didn't love the Lord like he should. And so we understand what the Bible talks about when it says delight in the Lord. Just love him first and foremost of anyone and anything in your life. I think of Fanny Crosby's old hymn, I long to see my Savior first of all. She was blind, and her greatest desire was to get a glorified body, and her first glimpse with resurrected glorified eyes would be her Savior. That's who I want to see first of all. That's who I'm serving now, and I am delighting in the Lord. And there's a prerequisite and a condition with this verse. Did you see it? Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, if you are a prosperity gospel person, you might be thinking, uh, wow, this is great. Uh, I can get the desires of my heart. And we can think humanly of a lot of desires that maybe we could get. But that's not the priority, is it? The priority is delight yourself also in the Lord. And if you delight, this is a condition. If you delight yourself also in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Perhaps the key is that if you delight yourself in the Lord and he's truly whom you're seeking and pursuing and focusing and loving first and foremost of all, do you suppose maybe the desires of your heart will be a little bit different? I think it would. And that is the condition and that is the promise. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You delight in the Lord with all your heart. And he gives you. He satisfies you with the desires of a heart that is focused on him. That's why Jesus said in one of the most important verses in the New Testament, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Exactly the opposite of what our human nature wants to do. We want to seek after things And then, with the leftover time and energy and treasure and everything we have, 
then we will seek the Lord and his kingdom and his righteousness. No, it doesn't work that way. We must seek first. We must have our priorities right. And so on track to be cool, calm, and collected, we trust in the Lord, fully rely on God. We delight in the Lord. We focus and delight and love him first and foremost of all. And then we commit unto the Lord. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. So the third important matter here is committing unto the Lord. Those things that we worry about, those things that we fret about, we must commit them unto the Lord. We must surrender those things to him in fact, we must surrender ourselves totally to him. I wrote down in my margin some time ago, uh, I don't know where I came across this as some commentator or something, this matter of commit means to roll off onto. Uh, some of you have gone under the knife. You've had surgery. And, you know, you go in and... and uh, you're there in pre-opt, and uh, they're telling you all these things and preparing you for what you're going to experience. And the time comes when uh, you're going to go from the bed to the cart that they're going to take you away, and, and you have to roll off onto that cart and submit and surrender yourself to that doctor whom you may not even know and trust in the skill of that doctor to do a very serious work on your body. You give yourself up to his skillful hand. And we remember that our God is the great physician and we must roll ourselves onto him and, and surrender all these things to him. That's what Jesus did when he was on this earth. I'm just going to read uh, real quickly back in 1 Peter when he's writing about Jesus during his earthly ministry, how he also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps, who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. And 1 Peter 1.23 says, 2.23, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2.23, who when he was reviled... He was reviled a lot. He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus did fret about evildoers and the evil that they were doing. He was focused on doing the will of his father and finishing the work that his father had sent him to do. And when the evildoers did their evil and said their evil, Jesus committed all that to his heavenly father who he knew would judge righteously in the proper time. Commit your way unto the Lord. You can't control what others do, all the evildoers. 
you and I can control what we do. We can trust in the Lord, we can delight in the Lord, and we can commit our way unto the Lord. That's what Paul, I think, was talking about when he said, nevertheless, I suffer these things. And then he says, um, help me out on that. It's a hymn. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, <laughs> sorry, I'm having trouble, that he is able, he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It's a matter of choice to personally surrender all those things and commit them unto the Lord against that day when the Lord will judge righteously. So to keep cool, calm, and collected, we must trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit unto the Lord, and finally rest in the Lord, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Uh, I'll, I'll deal with those in a little bit. I just want to start this final point by emphasizing rest. Rest in the Lord. You've rolled yourself over onto the cart, so to speak. You've surrendered everything over to the Lord. After that, go ahead and go to sleep. Go ahead. We do that during surgery, don't we? We, we sleep and we let the great physician, the physician, do his work. And spiritually speaking, when we're coming up against something that would cause us to worry or fret, we must relax in the arms and in the hands of the great physician, casting all our cares upon him because he cares for us. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Rest and wait on the Lord. This resting in the Lord does include the matter 7, verse 7, of waiting patiently for him. And anybody that knows me knows that this is one of the hardest things in my life is being patient. I like to see things happen. I like to make things happen. And this matter of waiting for something or someone else to do it is hard for me. But that's what the Bible says. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. It involves refusing to fret. Verse 7, do not fret because of him we prosper. This is, once again, a repeating of this command and an underlining of their self-determination here. We must choose not to fret. When the apostles were threatened in the early church not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus, and if they did, they'd be imprisoned and, and uh, beat up and maybe killed, what did they do? They called a prayer meeting, and they laid it out before the Lord, and they committed this unto the Lord. They continued to do good. They continued to dwell in the land. They continued to feed on his faithfulness. They continued to delight in the Lord. They continued to commit their way into the Lord. Uh, 
but they put it in the hands of the Lord and waited on him and refused to fret. And it says, cease from anger, verse 8. That's involved. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Uh, this is another deliberate choice because we all get angry. And it's not wrong to get righteously indignant or angry, but it's wrong to what? Let the sun go down on our wrath and just stew and be boiling mad day after day after day, night after night. That's wrong. Cease from anger. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God, James chapter 1, 19 and 20. Let it go. Give it to God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Cease from anger. And it also involves seeing the big picture, verses 9 and 10. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you'll look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. We need to step back and look at the big picture. And the fact is, evil and evildoers are short-lived. They will soon be gone. You remember the wicked Haman was just so mad at Mordecai and he built gallows for Mordecai and, and he had the power and authority to make it happen, but there was an Esther in the picture. And she went to prayer and then she went and petitioned the king. And Haman was exposed and Haman ended up dying on the gallows he made for Mordecai. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Why? Because evil doers will, will be cut off. Um, the wicked in just a little while will be no more. And then we anticipate the reward of righteousness, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So resting in the Lord involves these things. Waiting patiently, refusing to fret, ceasing from anger, seeing the big picture, and anticipating at the end of all this the reward of the righteous. You know, that's what Moses did. We should marvel at Moses. He was a prince in Egypt. He was perhaps going to be the next Pharaoh eventually. But by faith, Moses forsook all of that. Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, it's a choice, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. How did he do that? Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses was able to do the right thing because he saw the big picture. He was seeing a reward 
for doing the right thing. He was seeing Jesus, who was invisible, but nonetheless his Lord and Savior. In fact, Moses prophesied of Jesus. He said, someday there will be a prophet like me that will come. That's what Paul did. That enabled Paul to stay focused, not to seek vengeance. He said, I'm, I'm, I fought a good fight. I, I'm finishing my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. And not only to me, but those who love his appearing. He was able to do what he did because he was resting in the Lord. And he was looking at the big picture and he was remembering the reward that was coming. Well, Psalm 37, it's labeled a Psalm of David. You remember that David was a man of war. He was a man of action. And he did a lot of the right things. Once in a while, he did the wrong things. Once in a while, he wasn't as patient as he should have been. But David was, after all, a man after God's own heart. And he did some amazing things. God did some amazing things through David. And there were times when David really manifested tremendous cool under pressure, tremendous calmness in the midst of a lot of turmoil. And he was quite collected in times when he could have even killed Saul, who was on his trail. And he wrote this psalm and says, Don't fret. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Rest in the Lord. And if David can do it and did do it, you and I can do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But we have several advantages that David never had. And listed at the bottom of your sheet, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that's a big thing right there. An indwelling Holy Spirit that gives us the power and enables us to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we have the completed scripture David didn't have that, not near what we have. And we have the local church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we meet with them regularly. We pray for them. They pray for us. We worship together. We serve together. We give together. We love God together. We laugh together. We cry together. David didn't have that, but we have that. So... I think it's possible to be pretty cool, calm, and collected. I know that's kind of a stereotypical phrase, but it would be a compliment if somebody at work, your neighbor, a relative, somebody said, you know, I, I'm amazed at how calm you were the other day when such and such happened. I'm amazed that you didn't break out into profanity when that happened. 
I'm amazed that you stay so calm in the midst of what you're going through right now. So, Psalm 37 is a good one to encourage us in those matters, and I hope that that will encourage you tonight. And it's a privilege, as always, to share the precious word and powerful word of God. Uh, Brother Caleb is somewhere. Are you back there, Caleb? I think I see you through the glass. And he's going to come and take our prayer request time and, and uh, dismiss us into prayer in a little bit. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and applying of his word. Caleb.